Father, we do thank you that we can come in your name and call you Father. Thank you that we are children of the one who created this world. Lord, we pray that we may indeed listen to your voice this morning as it tells us about your Son. Lord, we pray that we may be able to have renewed affection for him. May we go from here loving the Son all the more as a result of hearing what your word says about his work for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, what do you think of when you think of fathers? Particularly your own father, if you knew him. Uh, what do you think of, particularly of your childhood with your father? What, do you, what really stands out about your childhood and your father? For me, I think of my father reading comics to me. And uh, he used to read Phantom comics to me and then uh, soccer comics to me. And uh, so I remember that with uh, some affection in my heart. I also think about what many of you would call dad jokes. Uh, my dad has a number of jokes that he continues to tell. And I have heard him tell my children the same jokes that he told me many years ago, many times. And it's funny, as he tells the joke, he asks the question on my son, my son Joshua, and I will jump in with the punchline, and my son Joshua will be flabbergasted that I somehow know the answer to every joke that my father seems to have. And it's because he's been telling them for years and years. What do you think of when you think of fathers? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. How does a father relate to us? What does it mean if someone is called a father? And that's come up in the passage that we've been looking at in Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, we've been slowly working through this passage and been looking at the four names that are given to the Messiah. We've seen that this person would come, this son would be born, it says in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So this Messiah is going to come, this son that would be born, and he's given four names. He will be called, it says there in verse 6, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we've been looking at these names, we've looked at Mighty God, we looked at Wonderful Counselor, and on Christmas Day, Lord willing, we'll look at the meaning behind Prince of Peace. And today we're going to then look at what does it mean that the Messiah is called the Everlasting Father. We've been slowly seeing that Jesus is indeed a fulfilment of this prophecy given in Isaiah 9, that he is the child that is to be born. He is the son that is to be given. And we've seen that he fulfills these names that have been bestowed upon him, that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the anointed one that is to come and save God's people. So what does it mean that he is everlasting father? This sounds quite foreign to our ears because when we think of Jesus, we think of him as being the son. We don't think of him in fatherhood terms. And here we might be confused and think, is he actually God the father? Is Jesus the son and God the father one and the same God and he just takes on different geysers, uh, different masks at different points, uh, and he reveals himself at times to us as Father, other times as the Son, other times as the Holy Spirit. Well, that is something that is contrary to the teaching of the Scriptures. That's an old heresy that was discarded in the early church many years ago, and we now recognize that the Scriptures teach that there is one God, but three distinct persons, all truly God but in, in separate, distinct persons. And so here, when it talks about Jesus as being the everlasting Father, it's not saying that he is God the Father. 
the person that we know as God the Father. No, I believe it is saying to us that he will be like a father to us. Many of the tasks that a father does, we recognise that Jesus has done for us and in actual fact then we are spiritual children of Jesus Christ. He is as a father to us. And that's what we'll look at this morning is what is it that Jesus does that is what a father normally does for us. And so that brings me to my first main point this morning. My first main point is, like a father, the Messiah, that is Jesus, gives life. The Messiah, uh, like a father, the Messiah gives life. If you want to follow my main points, they're listed there on the back of the church bulletin. And the first one is about Jesus as a Messiah giving life. And we see this when we consider that fathers are generally the ones who are said to have given life. If you do not actually give life to something, then you're not a father, so to speak. You can't be said to be a father if you have no offspring, if you've not given life to something. So then we have to ask, has Jesus actually given life? Has he given life to his people? Well, Jesus has indeed given life to his people in two senses. One is that he has created us. We know that the scriptures teach us that God created the world and he created the world through his son, through Jesus Christ. We read that in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 where it says, For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Is Jesus a father? Has he created life? Yes, he's created all things. Everything in creation actually stems back to Jesus Christ. He is a father of all of creation, so to speak. And so we, as part of creation, we are created beings. Human beings are created beings. We recognize that Jesus is a father to us all in that sense. But there is another sense by which Jesus gives life to his people. And that's not simply by creating them, but by giving them eternal life. See, we have all gone through a process where we have sinned against God. We have rebelled against him, and because of our sin, we are said to be dead in our transgressions. But then God, Jesus, died in our place so that we could have eternal life. And that is what he is teaching in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 speaks in a number of places about eternal life. And it says there in chapter 3 verse 14, The Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. How do you have eternal life? It's by being in Jesus. You have eternal life in Jesus. And it comes through him being lifted up, John 3.14 says. The Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him everyone who believes may have eternal life in him what does this reference to being lifted up mean well it's a reference to him being lifted up on the cross as jesus was lifted up on the cross life was actually flowing from his veins to those who believe in him and so jesus is not only our father in the sense that he's created us he's also our our father in the sense that we have eternal life through him and his death where he was lifted up. If we believe in Jesus Christ, death for us, 
then we have eternal life and he becomes like a father to us. He is our father and we are his children as we have life through his name. And as was being referred to in Isaiah chapter 9 when we looked at previously Jesus being the mighty God and we looked at how is he the mighty God and we looked at verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 9 and how the Messiah, that is Jesus, has shattered the yoke that burdens his people, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And we looked at how that is really representing the idea of the oppression we have of sin and death as it is spoken in verse 2 about people living in darkness, having seen a great light, and of those on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus has brought us back to life. We died in our sins, but then because of his work at the cross and our belief in him, we have eternal life. We will live forever. And so Jesus Christ is a father to us in that sense. But what else does Jesus do that a father usually does? How else is he a father towards us? Well, my second main point this morning is that like a father, the Messiah provides. Like a father, the Messiah provides for his children. We recognise this as we look at fathers. They don't only give us life, but they usually provide for us. They look after us. They sustain us. And Jesus acts like a father to us in that sense as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. Who has given me strength. Jesus gives us strength if we are his people. And that is in the sense that he gives us physical strength, he gives us physical help. Like a father, Jesus provides us with physical protection, just as we know with our earthly fathers, they often provide us with physical protection. They put themselves in harm's way even to provide us with physical protection or it may be that we have physical buildings that we live in that are provided for by, by our fathers, uh, a house to live in so that we're secure from the elements. These are things that a father does and Jesus does those things for us as well. He provides us, provides for us in terms of physical protection and we see this in the New Testament in the way that he cares for his disciples. He looks after them as a father. He calms a storm that's going to potentially kill them. He's acting as a father to these people. He provides food and clothing uh, and shelter for us and we see examples of that in the New Testament, particularly with food where he feeds 5,000 people. He provides food for them so that they can continue to, uh, to sustain the life that has been given to them. actually says in the context of feeding the 5,000 that these people will collapse on the way home if we don't give them something to eat. And so Jesus looks after them so that they don't collapse. And Jesus still does that today. He provides for our needs. And then also Jesus provides not just in terms of physical help, like a father, he provides spiritual help. He helps us to grow in holiness. And we see that in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says about Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Jesus has sought to purify us and that's what he does and that's like fathers do today. They try to help us to be good and holy in this world. Even non-Christian fathers seek to instill some values, generally speaking, in their ch children, that their child will be a good and helpful functioning citizen in this world. 
And that's what Jesus does. He acts like a father to us as he gives us wisdom and helps us to grow in holiness. And we see that in the pages of the New Testament where he instructs his disciples so at great length at times where he gives them sermons, he preaches to them, and he gives them words of counsel. He's instructing them how to live as citizens of the kingdom. And in that way, he is like a father to his people. He also provides them with spiritual help in terms of comfort. Jesus is one who comforts us, like a father comforts his children. You see this in our, in our society with children, where if a child is really distressed, sometimes it will call out for its mother, but sometimes it will call out for its father. We've actually been seeing this in our home. I may have shared this before. It's an illustration, but where my son, generally in the night now, calls out for his dad, which his mother is quite excited about, um, that she can keep on sleeping, uh, but he calls out for his father. We wonder how much of that is a link that he knows that daddy is strong and brave and hopefully will protect him if he has any problems, any monsters in the house. We recognise this, that the father is there to comfort his children when they're distressed, to give them a hug and tell them everything is okay. And that is what Jesus does to us. He comforts us. And we see this in the pages of the New Testament as he looks to his disciples and sees their distress. And he says to them in John chapter 14, Verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he counsels them why they shouldn't let their hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. His disciples are upset that Jesus is going and he says I'm going to my father's house where I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and take you to be there with me don't be troubled and this is the kind of thing that a father says to a child when the child is distressed that dad's leaving says I'm going away but I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you Uh, we just this last week uh, Jill and I we celebrated our 10 years wedding anniversary we've been married 10 years as of on Thursday and uh, we went away uh, on Friday night my mum came and she looked after the kids and uh, we went away just for Friday night we went up to the Hunter Valley and it was a lovely time away but before we went away our children knew that we were going and my son said to me I'm going to miss you dad and then he said but it you're coming back on Saturday. He's worked out the days of the week now. You're coming back on Saturday. And so he knew that I was going away for a time, but I was going to come back. And that was a comfort to him. And I was able to encourage him that that was indeed going to happen, that we weren't going away permanently, that we were going to return. And this is what Jesus does for us. He comforts his disciples then and he comforts us today. He has gone away. We are his children. We're left here in this hostile environment. But Jesus says, I'm going away to a house where there are many rooms. I'm preparing a place for you. And one day I will come back and I will take you to be with me. So do not let your hearts be troubled. He's acting as a father towards us. So we see that Jesus is an everlasting father in the sense that he gives us life. We also see that he's a father in the way that he provides for us. How else is Jesus like a father towards us? What else does Jesus do that fathers generally do for us? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Like a father, the Messiah rules. Like a father, the Messiah rules. Now, we know in many of our homes that one of the roles of a father is to administer justice 
in the household. He is the one that is uh, ruling over the household. And my, ch- my son has come to this conclusion recently that daddy is the boss. He actually will say this. And, uh, and he was inquiring whether this is the case in every home, whether all dads are the bosses in the different houses. And this is what is said to, uh, about Jesus in the pages of the New Testament and also even in this passage here in Isaiah chapter 9, that the, that the Messiah will be a ruler. We see that a couple of times that is mentioned there. For example, in verse 6, it even says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will have a government on his shoulders. And then in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. We see that the Messiah is said to be one who would rule. And then when we look to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is indeed the one who rules and not only rules over his people but rules over all things. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 for one of the grand statements in the New Testament about Jesus ruling over all things. Ephesians chapter 1, which is found on page 1,156. 1,156. Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 18. Verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, where we read, the Apostle Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, that's God's mighty strength, which he, that's God, exerted in Christ when he, that's God, raised him, Jesus, from the dead and seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus is the one who has been exalted above all things. He is indeed the ruler over all of creation. And so in that sense, he is like a father, a father ruling in the household. He's the one who gives the law and he's the one who upholds the law. That means that he tells us what is wrong, just as a father in the home generally tells his children what they're expected to do and what they expected not to do. Uh, he doesn't catch them blindsided and say, you, you, you were doing the wrong thing, and they say, I, don't, I didn't know there were any rules around. No, he tells them what are the rules in the home, and then he upholds the law in the home as well by giving rewards, and by giving punishments. And we see Jesus doing this. We see that Jesus will reward his faithful servants with great riches. They're storing up treasure in heaven, which he will administer to them. And he also gives punishments and rebukes his people. An example of this happening in the New Testament is in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, where Jesus turns to Peter and rebukes him. And says, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 
Jesus was quite willing to rebuke his disciples. As a father rebukes a child, Jesus rebukes his disciples. And he does that there in the New Testament and he does it to us today. Have you ever felt rebuked by Jesus Christ? As you've read his word and felt it hit you in your heart that that is a direct word from the Lord about the way you have been behaving? That is Jesus acting as a father towards you and upholding the rule of his kingdom. He is administering justice in his kingdom as it hits you as a father speaking to a child. So we see Jesus is like a father in the way that he gives life. We see that he's like a father in the way that he provides. He's like a father in the way that he rules. How else does Jesus function like a father? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Like a father, the Messiah is gentle. Like a father, the Messiah is gentle. We recognise that fathers may, may, must sternly administer justice in the home at times. But they can also, if they are a father, they should be gentle with their children as well. Very different from the way a ruler often functions. A ruler is not expected to be gentle. They're expected to simply administer the justice. Whereas a father, if you have a relationship with the ruler and you see him as a father, then you expect a, a level of gentleness to come across towards you. And we see this in the way that Jesus functions in the New Testament. He's like a father in the sense that he is compassionate towards people. He's compassionate to them. And we see that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. As he sees the crowds, they're looking for teaching. As they're looking for an advisor, he sees them and has compassion on them. He wants to gather them together to be part of his family. We also see that Jesus is like a father in the way that he is forgiving. We see this in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, where he says to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus recognizes that the man is a sinner, but instead of simply upholding justice and making sure that the man is punished for his sins, Jesus forgives his sins which is what a father often does. A father is not much of a father if he's always brutally upholding justice in the home and there is no place for forgiveness. That's not the kind of father that we know we should have in our homes. It should be someone who has a level of forgiveness towards his children as well. And like a father, we see that Jesus is affectionate and loving. A good example of this is in John chapter 11, verse 35 where we read those two words in our translation, Jesus wept as he sees that his friend Lazarus has died in John chapter 11. He weeps. And then in verse 36, it's even evident to the people that are there. It says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him, how he loved Lazarus. And that is what we expect from a father that he would be upset at the death of a child, that he would be upset at the distress, the persecution, the suffering, the pain that may be coming to his children, that a father would be distressed and upset and affectionate and loving towards that child. So Jesus is like a father in the way that he gives life. He's like a father in the way that he provides. He's like a father in the way that he is a ruler, but also a gentle ruler, that he's affectionate and loving towards his people. 
But what else do we learn from Isaiah about Jesus as father, as a father, the Messiah as a father? What does, what's the word that Isaiah puts before that word father in Isaiah chapter 9? Well, it's the word everlasting. And that's my fifth main point this morning. Like a father, the Messiah is everlasting. Like a father, the Messiah is everlasting. Now, if we would think of the Messiah simply as a ruler, We've got to understand that rulers come and go. We've had quite a few rulers come and go here in Australia in recent years. It seems that there's a bit of a revolving door with our prime ministers and they come and they go. And we would never think that previous prime ministers are still our rulers. We don't consider them to be our rulers. We only consider the current prime minister to be the ruler of this land. Whereas fathers have a perpetual place in our hearts, we can always consider them to be our father, even if they go, even if they leave us. We don't stop referring to them as our father, even if they die. We still consider that person to be our father. They have an everlasting application to us as father. And so Jesus is here said to be everlasting father in the sense that once we belong to him, then we will always belong to him. And he's everlasting father, not just in the sense that we always have our father as our father, whether he comes or he goes, but in the truest sense of the word everlasting. Because Jesus is the eternal God. He will always be. We have no fear that Jesus one day will leave us and never return, that he will some at some stage no longer function towards us as a father. He is the everlasting father. He will not die again. He died once, but he has been raised to life, never to die again. And so we will have eternal life with him as our everlasting father. So Jesus is this wonderful father towards us. And Isaiah 9 proclaims this to us. It says that his name will be Everlasting Father. He will be a father towards us in the way that he creates us, gives us life, spiritual life, the way that he provides for us physically and spiritually, the way that he rules over us and is gentle in that rule towards us. But not just those things that may happen for a time, but the passage also proclaims that he is the everlasting ruler the everlasting one who is gentle, the everlasting one who is a life giver and a provider for us. So is Jesus like an everlasting father to you? Is he your Messiah? Do you see Jesus as functioning as a father towards you? Do you consider Jesus to be a better father towards you than any earthly father that you've ever had? Whether a biological father or an adoptive father, how has Jesus acted towards you? Do you see him as the greatest father figure towards yourself? Is he a better life giver, a better provider, a better gentle ruler to you? Do you recognize that? Do you want Jesus to be like a father to you? Maybe you don't feel that Jesus is like a father to you, that he hasn't given you life, that he hasn't provided for you, that he doesn't rule over your life and he's not particularly gentle to you that you don't, haven't experienced the gentleness of Jesus Christ. Is that you? Well, embrace Jesus now. If you want Jesus to act as a father towards you in this world and care for you 
and also in the next, then come to him now. How should you come to him? You should come to him in repentance and faith, that you come to him acknowledging that you have rebelled against him in the past and now you're going to submit to his leadership. You're going to submit to him like a child to a father and you're going to believe that he is the one who sustains you, the one who gives you light, the one who will provide for you, the one who will rule over you, the one that you will look to as the gentle father figure in your life. Do it now. Don't delay. Embrace Jesus in repentance and faith. And if Jesus is like an everlasting father to you, do you go to him when you're concerned about things, when you're concerned about your physical well-being, when you're concerned about your spiritual well-being? Do you turn naturally to him because he is like a father to you? You know that he is the one that gives life, the one that sustains, the one who is gentle, he's Indeed, a ruler who can rebuke you at times like a father does, but he's the gentle ruler. He's the affectionate, compassionate, loving ruler over your life. If you are a Christian, this understanding that Jesus is an everlasting father should give us joy, should give us a real desire to worship him as that everlasting father that the Bible proclaims him to be. And that's what's spoken of in Isaiah chapter 9, this joy that should come through. We've seen it before as we've considered how he is our mighty God and wonderful counsellor. But we'll consider it again in verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 9 on page 683. Uh, But I'll read from verse 2. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And it says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy as they rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. When we consider that Jesus is an everlasting Father, we should rejoice. We should rejoice as people at a harvest. Now, I've said before, we as a non-agricultural community don't really understand the joy that would come with the harvest. But maybe think of Christmas Day and presents. Rejoicing at the harvest of presents that have come through. That joy that you've experienced on Christmas Day, maybe you have to think back a while, maybe you don't get so many nice presents anymore, but you think back to when you were a child and the harvest of the presents that would come as you had presents from your your parents, as you have presents from your two sets of grandparents and then you have aunts and uncles and you have friends around you. There's this harvest coming in of great things. That's how we're to consider Jesus Christ. He is the one who has given us so much and will continue to give us so much. He will always be that everlasting Father towards us who continues to give us good things. And so what does that mean? We should rejoice as one rejoicing at the harvest, as rejoicing when dividing the plunder, as men, when men divide plunder. Do you have that kind of joy about Jesus Christ? When you think of father figures, what do you think of? And when you think of Jesus as Father, what do you think of? And when you think those thoughts, does it give you joy to know what he has done for you, how he has functioned for you, and how he will continue to function as a Father everlastingly? We as Christians, I think, sometimes we we don't consider the wondrous things that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And we don't have that joy that should be there as ones who rejoice at the harvest.
And so I think there's a challenge here for us today as we consider who Jesus is and what he has done for us, that he's functioned as an everlasting father, how there's a challenge here for to respond rightly as people filled with joy and willing to serve our father in whatever way we can. Let us come before our God now. Let us speak to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your word says about your son. And we thank you for the way he is like a father to us in many ways, that he is that everlasting father who has given us life, who continues to provide for us, that he rules over us and does so gently. Lord, we thank you that the good things that you give us are all done through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come before you and we recognise what Jesus has done for us, that he is that father who has protected us from death by dying in our place. Like many fathers have in history who have laid down their lives so that their children can be free, Lord, we thank you that Christ has done this for us. And, Lord, we pray for anyone in this room who has not accepted Jesus as their everlasting father. We pray that they may do so and have that eternal life that he grants. But Lord, we pray for the Christians who are in this room. We pray that we may have great joy. May we recognise that the truths proclaimed about Jesus and what he has done for us should give us joy, the kind of joy that people have as they rejoice at the harvest. May we have that joy because we believe that Jesus Christ has indeed functioned as an everlasting father to us and ever will. And we pray this in his name. Amen.